Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome to 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with another podcast because uh, this is what I'm having to do these days. I'm not allowed in my studio because of the coronavirus. And uh, so we're doing a ton, a ton of podcasts. And I'm really very, very excited for this podcast because I have two of my very dear friends who do a phenomenal job on the NFL Network, and that's Cynthia Freeland and Stacey Dales. Ladies, hi. Hi, how are you? I am doing as well as I can. I mean, ladies, I live in a Petri dish. So, and it's it's quite frightening here in the tri-state area. But let's, let's first and foremost, I mean, listen, I'm healthy, so knock on wood, like, you know, that's, that's first and foremost, whenever you talk to anybody here, it's like, how are you, how's your health? How are you doing? How's your family? How's everything? And um, I'm blessed that I'm healthy. I'm probably on the spectrum of crazy psycho bitch when it comes to, yeah, uh, when it comes to social distancing. Like, I'll go for a run, and if anybody comes within six feet of me, I'll start yelling and screaming at them, like, stay away from me! <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I have a ton of product. Like I have a routine. If I go outside, I have a mask, I have gloves. Um, when I come home from the grocery, I leave my bags outside. I wipe down my broccoli before I eat it. Like I'm like, I am on the extreme of like uber careful. So if I get it, (laughs) something's wrong. I'll tell you that. But, uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, Stacey, let's start with you. What's what's going on in Chicago? How are you doing? And uh, how's Chicago doing in regard to dealing with this? Well, it's really good to hear both of your voices. First of all, I think that we're all missing interaction. So thank you, Anita, for setting up a platform like this. It's, you know, it's bizarre. I mean, I, I can admittedly say I've gone in and out of bouts of some sort of depression over what's happening and the sadness that I feel for people everywhere. It's almost like we're in a twilight zone. This is the new normal. Um, You know, everybody, you know, gratefully is, is most people are trying to conform and adhere to this. Um, I, I, I get disappointed when I see people that are trying to congregate because, you know, I feel for you in the Petri dish that you speak of, it's just really a sad time. I have family members who are jobless right now. Um, I feel you know, going in and out of the, these bouts, great gratitude. I think for me, recognizing that I have a home and I'm able to order groceries. There are people that are not. There are people that don't have computers, that they cannot do this that we are doing. And so I, I think it's just really, you know, I've talked to, you know, my family, obviously, a lot, and my mom, you know, tries to see things and I try to see things from a very spiritual perspective. And you, you, you see the universe hitting almost like this reset button, but um, it's, it's sad. It's sad, but you have a lot to be grateful for. If you have a home, if you're able to have food um, and you, you, you don't take those things for granted, I think the time we're in puts all of this in unique perspective and makes us appreciate what we really have. Yeah, I have that completely. Um, I'm not in Los Angeles, so in, I'm near the beach and they've shut down like the walkway to the beach, which is 
difficult on residents because now you're walking through like an alley or you're walking on the sidewalk, which is too close to other people in my opinion. So when I look at like what the changes have been, you know, that's the, the primary one is like the space outside is a little bit different here. Cause I think early on in social distancing, people were not mindful of the beach. Like the first week that everything really shut down in Los Angeles County, people like made their way to the beach and it almost looked like, like a summer weekend. So, and I remember, you know, my roommate and I were on a walk and we're like, get out of our town. You're ruining it for all of us to stand outside. So adapting to that new normal has been tricky because it does make you realize how much you appreciate the smile from the guy at Mickey's Deli or like the quick hello or like the familiarity of something. But it also, you know, on the flip side, you sit there and I'm like trying to, we're trying to like order from every local anything because we love them and want to support them. But it it, can, it gets tricky because, you know, much like Anita, I'm tr- we're trying to like do the safest practices, make sure everything we're doing is helping because we have some neighbors who are a little bit older. So trying to help out those people who are unable to, you know, it's just way too risky for them to be doing anything like that. So, so they're like, you know, Lysoling their packages for them, trying to do like anything little to help. And then you do realize that, you know, you're right, that reset, the gratitude, like, I'm so happy to Lysol my neighbor's package. Like if that does something to actually help them, which, you know, we read does. So, you, you know, that's nothing. It takes what, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. So you do realize that there are these small things that you can be doing for people and you can integrate them back into your life when this is all said and done, you know, like they probably, hopefully won't need to list all their packages forever, but if they need it, great. I got a few extra minutes every day, happy to do it. So, you know, it's like, you can remember that there are small things that we could do for each other that really do make a huge difference. And you can keep doing that going forward. They've been really interested to see how, you know, the people who are fortunate to have fortunate enough to have, enough technical connectivity. Like people have been really creative. You know, I have a few friends who are pregnant right now, which is like a terrifying time to be pregnant. And, you know, one of my girlfriends has like a planned C-section early May and it's been really scary. So we've all taken turns like, well, like, you know, FaceTime her every day or do something to just try to cheer her up because she's very scared about it, as you can imagine you would be. So, you know, just you you remind her that like, it doesn't take much to pick up your cell phone and be like, hi, this is my face, you know, and and just remind her that you can reach out. There are so many ways, like this would have happened 15 years ago, it would have been a lot more isolating even than it is now because you don't have FaceTime or Zoom or whatever platform. From, I love seeing you guys. Like, I'm jealous because Stacy like blue dry her hair and like she's like looking at <laughs> and you got all these dog things. We both have all their dogs. I'm just sitting here in the kitchen like a slob. But other than that, it's great. So <laughs> never like a slob. You know, um, I, I always each and every week I, I post on Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm a lot more active on social media. I think we all are right now in this time um, of separation, uh, from human interaction. And, uh, in each week I try to think of like, what are some of the things that are positives that I take away from each week? And, um, you know, and I, I know that there's a lot of concerns in regards to zoom and hacking and, uh, but God bless zoom. Like the number of like, I've reconnected. I've already had two happy hours with friends from high school, like friends from high school that, we've gotten together eight friends from high school. We've had like a zoom happy hour that I, that that wouldn't have happened. Um, last night I had a, I'm kind of like a religious mutt. My family is a little bit of everything. So part of my family is Jewish. Part of my family is Baptist. Part of my family is Catholic. So the part of my family that's Jewish, we had a Jewish Seder on zoom last night 
And I'd, I never cook. You live in New York City. You rarely cook. You're either either going out to dinner, you're ordering on, on Seamless or Delivery.com um, or Caviar. Um, so a few positives. I've been cooking. I cook a lot. I cooked Seder dinner last night. I made a brisket. Um, I made a ton of, I made a ton of things and, and just reconnecting with family and friends mm-hmm. and appreciating those relationships and, and valuing them again, I, I think is a huge, huge, not to mention, you mentioned Stacy and I have dogs. Stacy has two. I have five. I know I'm that crazy woman who lives in a shoe, but three. Um, three. Oh, you have three now. Large but, dog. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Anita. No, it's I had, They're all like, you know, 70 pound dogs except for <laughs> I, I had to bathe I bathed them yesterday oh and wow half of the day go on <laughs> no I, so I, like I, you know I don't know about you Stacy but like my dogs are like loving the fact like I'm home and I'm home yeah. all the time and they're just I, they're kind of like waiting for like you know the the shoe to drop like okay when are you gonna leave us again like and I'm who knows like I'm here I'm here for the long haul and like so I think we're reconnecting with our animals, our pets. Here's, here's a positive. For the first time, there are more people that are looking to um, border or foster animals in New York City in the tri-state area than there are animals available, you know, because yeah. people, are, people are home. They can't go anywhere. So they're like, you know what, this is a great time for me to foster a pet. Like, so there, I mean, as horrible as a situation this is for us, I, you know, I, each and every week I try to, I tried to find the positives in, in how our lives have all changed. So I have one for you and I haven't like announced this yet, but I'm happy to, to tell you here. Um, I've been spending the past two weeks because I was like, what can I do to give back that's unique to me, right? Like I'm happy to give money and I have, I'm happy, I'm very blessed to have a job that's a contract job. So right now things are okay. So I'm glad to help however I can. So I was like, what's a unique way other than donating? And I'm happy, again, happy to do that. Um, so I've started creating, uh, I'm going to, they're going to launch next week. We're going to see how it goes. Let me preface this by saying I am not a teacher, not a teacher, but I'm going to be doing these math hangouts. So I've created like these worksheets and they're on math topics and we're going to do it every well, four days a week. And the first one's on like mean and the second day median, the third day mode. And then the fourth day we put it all together. So you do mean versus median versus mode. And I reached out to like some people who are way cooler than me, like some football players. And I had them read word problems that I wrote about them. So like the first one is like Michael Thomas being like, I caught, I, I set an NFL record catching 149 passes. There were 16 games. What's my average catches per game? And then we can talk through with the kids how to solve that problem. And to like, again, it's, I'm not trying to like, you know, just make math maybe a little more cool. So I'm going to start doing that. You'll see me post on my social about that. Let's be honest. We got to get with these. We got, we need to make sure Zoom stays safe here. So that's, that's what I'm working through right now. That's but we got awesome. all That's fun. That's fun. Math hangouts, you know, making math cool. I think that's awesome. And I, th- I just think I go back to the word perspective. You know, we, we all work and cover um, sports and have worked in sports <laughs> for our entire lives. And uh, Cynthia does an amazing job analytically um, for our network. Anita, you're just so vast in what you do. You played football, for God's sake. Um, you know, when I when I think about the perspective, I, I just you know pray that people stay busy, they stay humble through this, um, they express love in different ways, and in times of crisis, we learn about one another. And I think for you know 
for us that work in the NFL and cover this great sport, um, we should feel very blessed that things are going on. Um, every sport has had to shut down. And I think the NBA unprecedentedly, unprecedentedly set a tone that everybody sort of followed and it, it had to adhere to. And here we go with the NFL draft. And I would hope that instead of complaints or uh, why can't we see, you know, why can't people have draft visits and this and that, the draft is still going to happen. And, you know, there are things that are still happening that we can look at and say, let's figure out solutions. Let's be solution based. And here we go. Again, I've seen, I've been really impressed by teams. I've talked to, I've talked to probably 20, more than 20, but less than 25 teams about creative solutions to finding ways to, especially, especially for the draft prospects who aren't power five school. They weren't students at that school. They've been having, they've been creating like amazing. There's one team and I, I, I can't, call them out, but you can imagine who they are. If you know anything about the draft world, like a guy on our network who covers a draft, he may have worked there before. Just saying, um, they have the most amazing solutions to some of these like questions without pro days. And they've, they have never viewed like everyone I've talked to there. They don't view it as anything other than great. This is just, this is what we have to like. It's not, they're not whining. They're not complaining. They're just like, okay, good. Now we have, we just have something else to figure out. Like we need this salute. We need this answer. This is how we're going to go about finding it. And these teams have really adapted. This draft will separate the people who do the work throughout the season, who have good communication, who have scouts that really understand what they're supposed to be doing a front office that knows how to execute the plan and a coach who can communicate what he needs way more than any other season, because the scouts aren't really talking to each other. They're doing their own. So I, I do. So again, it's it's Anita Marks, Cynthia Freeland, Stacy Dales, of course. So Stacy Dales and Cynthia Freeland, you can see them all over the NFL Network. I do want to dive. We're going to dive into the draft. I promise. But um, before we get to that, um, I, I do want to discuss a few other things. And and I guess first and foremost is yesterday, uh, Tom Brady spent a lot of time on the Howard Stern show. Um, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> a lot. Of, like like I, and I sat there and I listened. The whole time. Uh, it was brutal. Um, and I took notes and of course I, I sent them to you guys. But, um, so yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. I thought, you know, at least for me, you know, who's, I, I've never covered the Patriots. I, I've never met Tom personally. Um, I want to, I want to assume that we saw a different side of him. And I, and, and a part of me is kind of, um, a part of me is kind of excited for the Tom Brady we're about to see in Tampa, unleashed, unhinged, playing with Bruce Arians. Now, I know Bruce. I, I, I would imagine that you guys know him as well. Night and day from Bill Belichick. I am I am just based on the little bit of um, what we heard from Tom Brady on Thursday, or I'm sorry, on, on Wednesday with, with Howard Stern, that, that we are – embarking on a a new side a different vibe a different tom brady and uh, and for the first time i'm actually kind of excited about it uh yeah what are are your thoughts well you know he he is to me clear and he's the greatest quarterback there's so many great quarterbacks he's the greatest quarterback of all time he's a winner he's an absolute plug in and win kind of person. And um, I, I, what I respect about it is 
you think about the word pressure. And now you're going to leave a franchise where you spent two decade, decades and you're going to go, you know, join up with Bruce Arians, who I agree. I think it's, a, I think it's really a perfect fit because, I mean, it's a guy who coached Ben Roethlisberger and uh, Carson Palmer and understands how to be a player's coach, which I think will be great because here you go, Tom, here are the keys, right? But you think about leaving a place after two decades and now you're going to go take over a team that, frankly – we're going to cover now. I mean, think about that. We're, we're, going to, we're going to go to Tampa and cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Tom Brady is there. And how, how that energy and, and now the pressure on his shoulders, can he be Tom Brady that we saw for two decades with New England Patriots? And now he's going to have to sort of create some magic in Tampa. And so I respect that transition. What I found most interesting from his Howard Stern conversation, you guys, was – he knew, he basically said he knew before last season. So we were talking about a team that didn't do what the Patriots do last year. They were, what, 15th total offense in the NFL. Um, he had some elbow issues, whatever. He knew before last season that it, it would probably be the last season. And I think that kind of was reflective of the way that they performed. And the achievements that we had seen with the Patriots for so long weren't there. And the fact that he knew before last season that it was probably the end, I think was indicative of the season they had. That was kind of the first thing I took away from that too. When I read it, that he was like, I knew before last season it was coming to an end. You're like, hmm, wish you would have let us know that. So, but ultimately the interesting part about all of this that I, that I took away was the, you don't often get to hear like even, even, even players who played for a long time and weren't anywhere aren't or weren't anywhere near as good as Tom Brady. You don't usually hear that like self-reflective, like, Hey, like my wife told me that you were, I wasn't being a good partner at certain points or, you know, like you don't hear the, like the honest moments of all of that. You know, maybe it comes out in a book like several years later, but definitely not real time. So it was interesting to see like this narrative, like, how many more, like, if you take just the, the small parts that they distribute on other television shows, right? Like, it seems to me like you could be, you're attracting, like, a whole new, like, demographic. Like, they, there's women who think Tom Brady's hot. Now there's going to be, like, the Brene Brown women that come in and they're like, he talks about his feelings. You know, he's such a senseless <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so it's an interesting, I just thought that was an interesting, like, it was good to show that such a masculine sport that I don't know. I, I found that part. It was a very long interview and some of it was a little out of touch, like the hundreds of whatever ounces of water per day. Like you're like, all right, buddy, like we got it. <laughs> so, but, but it, there were far, some parts that were far fetched and other parts that were like, I was like, wow, he's so relatable. And so, you know, like I, I think men should listen to this, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really excited to see this, like this kind of this new chapter. That's, that's kind of what I'm, I, I'd like to call it like this new chapter in the career. And even though he said that um, he doesn't really think about or worry about his legacy, but let's be honest, is a legacy. I mean, you know, Stacy, you just said arguably the greatest of all time. I'm curious, before we move on, what are your thoughts in regards to the Patriots and the AFC East? Uh, you know, Cynthia, you and I are, you know, we, we always talk about the draft. We're like draft geeks. Um, I love Jared Stidham last year. I climbed at the top of the mountaintop and I was screaming for the Giants to draft Josh Allen in the first round and wait and get Jared Stidham in the second. 
He fell to the forest, and the Patriots got him in the forest. Now, reports are that him and Brian Hoyer, apparently the, the Patriots have promised Brian Hoyer that he could come in and he can compete for the starting job. But I'm, my money's on Stidham. There's just a lot that I really liked about this guy. And a number of the, uh, the, the scouts that I spoke to when we were in Indianapolis last year um, said some really wonderful things about him. This is a guy, and understand, if, if, you, if you know about Tom Brady and you, if you listen to the Stern interview and what really stuck out, one thing that love or hate Bill Belichick, one thing that I – well, a few things. Number one, Tom said yesterday, the Patriots took a chance on me as a 22-year-old, but what happened was they invested in who I was going to become at 26. That is something that analytics cannot decide for, for teams. Awesome. This is this is why awesome. it's this, – this is – you can't – but here's the thing, Cynthia. You can't – analytics can't decide on a person's heart or their work ethic. That's something you, you think it can no, I think that analytics can create a system where someone's more likely to succeed. Analytics is a tool in a tool belt. So if you look to see Lamar Jackson, who I know you like. In, I you, love. I don't just like. Right. I love. <laughs> you love them so much if they plopped him on the Lions, right? Like you need a system and a structure and a play caller and the opportunity and the cultivation and the education. I agree with you with all of that. I agree with you. My, my, the point I'm making is you, you can still go out and you, you could have the, the Ravens could have drafted Lamar Jackson, create the system around him, go out and draft all these players that are going to accentuate his, his, his playmaking ability. But unless Lamar Jackson has the heart that he does and the work ethic that he does, like we saw Tom Brady have, I don't know if he amounts to what he is today. My, 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 just, I guess my whole point is how what Bill Belichick and the Patriots, what they value is guys that have been through adversity. They don't like silver spoon guys. Bill Belichick values guys that have been through, let's just say, been through some shit, right? Like, and Stidham has. He's estranged from his family. He, he for, I want to say for the past, like, a year or two years in college, he lived with his girlfriend's parents. Like, he's been through some stuff. And, you know, it's those guys, it's like the Rodney Harrisons or the Tom, it's like guys who like their entire lives were never told like, oh, you're going to be great. You're going to be fantastic. You're going to be a superstar. Everything on a silver platter. It's the guys that really have had to work hard to kind of get to where they're at, put in the extra time, work harder, eat better. Um, that, this, that, that I feel that Bill Belichick and the Patriots value. And I see that in Jared Stidham. I guess that's my point. There's so much to unpack with this. First of all, when this all happened, the greatest celebration occurred in Buffalo, okay? The Buffalo Bills now have more life than they had last year, okay? <laughs> Within this division. Um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together are a force of nature, okay? So now we're going to see just how brilliant Bill Belichick is. They have 12 picks in this upcoming draft. They start at 23. When was the last time they picked so high? I think it was back when they traded up to get Chandler Jones. Um, six, what was it, six years ago? I can't remember. But now we're going to see the artistry of Bill Belichick. So when you, when you mentioned the word analytics, which Cynthia, Cynthia is a genius at, now we're going to see the analytics of Bill Belichick and, and why he's able to build great teams. However, Tom Brady's gone. Men wanted to go play with Tom Brady because they thought, to your point now, Anita, if I go play with Tom Brady, I have – I want the analytics on this, Cynthia Freeland. When you play with Tom Brady, 
the chances you'll go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. It's unbelievable what the guy does. People want to go play with him. Players want to go – Men, young men want to play with Tom Brady because they believe in their mind that they will win a Super Bowl. That is what he – and so when you have the force of nature of Belichick and Brady, now we're really going to see how great of a draft master Bill Belichick is And now we're going to see how this coaching staff reacts to not having Tom Brady. Because let's face it, Anita, you played quarterback. When you step on the field and you have to audible or you have to change that play, nobody does it better than Tom Brady. I mean, I think in the Howard Stern interview, he talked about um, if if there were guys on the field that he wasn't comfortable with, he just wouldn't throw the football to them. (laughs) I mean, that's the power of Tom Brady. So I think there's a lot at play here. And I will also say this. I know we're going to get into the draft, you guys. But coaching staffs and teams that have experience that have been together, think about all these staffs that are brand new. I mean, you've got Ron Rivera now who's in Carolina, Joe Judge with the Giants. Uh, Who am I missing? Matt Rule uh, in Carolina now replacing Ron Rivera who's in Washington. uh, Excuse me. Um, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. And Mike McCarthy returning – to coaching in Dallas, all these new staffs have to figure each other out this offseason, and that's, to me, got to be a great challenge for them. But the Patriots, they've been together. They've got their ensemble. And so we'll see how great Bill Belichick is with this draft and what he does with if it is Stidham. Um, I think Brian Hoyer is a fantastic guy, but he's a backup quarterback. So who is your starting quarterback going to be? Are they going to make a move to get a quarterback with all that leverageability they have with the draft this year? This thing to me is just loaded and fascinating. I so think your your thoughts yeah, are on the AFC East. What's that? Your thoughts on the AFC East? I'm I'm so by the way, just just I think the Bills win it. In fact, the minute the minute the news, Cynthia, you would love this. I was I was hosting my sports talk radio show that when the news broke that Tom was going to Buffalo, it was going to Tampa, and while I was on air, I was multitasking because you know that's what us women do best. And I literally, I went online and bills to win the AFC East was plus 350. I got it. Mama, I got it at plus 350 bills to win the AFC East. Casey and I don't know what any of that means, but we think it's very impressive. It means I laid $100 (laughs) that the bills are going to win the AFC East. And if they do, mama's got a new pair of shoes. Anita, that's what that means. We we still don't know what that means because we work for the Shield. I know, I don't. <laughs> you know, growing up as a kid in Canada, I, so Can- Canadians are like, hockey is religion. But in my household, football was religion. And my dad is a like diehard Buffalo Bills fan. I think they're going to win the division this year. I'm going to go out on a limb. Um, I love Josh Allen. So do I. I love, I love Sean McDermott. I think he is just an outstanding leader and um to me they're just a fascinating team they run the football um they've they've built that offensive line I think what they did last year was they were knocking on the door and I I would say Patriots fans are going to have a run for their money this year I think the interesting one here there's there's two things like the AFC East to me now is any it's anyone's game now I do think the Bills probably have the edge but I don't know when it comes to like there could be Miami has three picks in the first round. They've got a lot of they made some good free agent acquisition. They've got a lot of like crazy factor. And by crazy factor, I mean 
you what's their roster going to look like come August? We don't know because they have so many different possible options that they could take that it's it. I mean, if somehow they got Joe Burrow, you'd probably feel a little bit different about. So while I think that what Anita's strategy was early was very smart strategy, if I knew what that meant, then I still think that if I don't necessarily think it's runaway bills, I do think right now the bills are the front runner, but I, I think this one's kind of, it's, it's going to be an interesting division because if you look to see there's like something, there's something missing from the jets a few some things, probably that entire, you know, O-line, just a thought. And then there's some things that are missing from the Patriots, clearly, but they still have got a really nasty defense, still really important part of their team. And then there's some, the Bills, they Josh Allen's super fun to watch, and now you've got Stephon Diggs there, and they've got a great defense, but I'm not sure, like, how do they piece it all together? Because I'm not sure when it comes to, you know, like, does Stephon Diggs fit? With what they're trying to – sure, they might think so, but now they can't really draft anyone to kind of help out because they had to give up a lot to get in. So are they keeping it young? I, I'm not sure, right? And then then going for, then the Dolphins are like this mixed bag of like, I don't know what you're getting there, right? So you have a lot of – there's just a lot of potential weird disruption in that. And it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. All right, so really quick before we move on to free agency and the draft and in the future of the NFL as a whole, um, your thoughts on the NFC South and uh, like you know with Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course you've got Atlanta. Um, they ended the season strong once Dan Quinn decided to relinquish uh, play calling duties on, on the defensive side of the ball. Carolina, they're rolling with Teddy Bridgewater. I think it's going to be a big rebuilding year for Matt Rule. And as you you uh, you pointed out, Stacey, I think it's going to be really, really difficult for a lot of teams that have made that transition to either a new head coach or a new quarterback, considering that they're not going to have more than likely no OTAs and very little t- time in training camp. But, like, I guess my question is really quick, guys. Do you feel like if I was to say, all right, the Saints or the Bucks, who wins the NFC South? Who do you guys have? Well, for me, it, I mean, it, it's so hard to you know, we just speculate all the conjecture. But to me, when you have Drew Brees and you're the New Orleans Saints and you have a coach in Sean Payton who I think is a brilliant football mind, um, he has a genius of a football mind, and uh, I, I just it'll it'll be fascinating to see how Tom Brady how quickly he is able to um, you know transcend what has been the Bucks. I remember being at the combine this year, and oh, by the way, you guys, how important now looking back was the combine for these teams to have face-to-face interactions with some of these young men, they're going to be. So uh, there were a couple teams in my recollection that didn't send their entire staffs. I think it was a Denver. I think the Rams. Um, how important now were those face-to-face interactions with these young men? Um, but you know, when I, when I think about Byron Leftwich in Tampa, um, I, I think that Tom Brady is going into a very good situation where he will have complete reigns of that offense. Um, new coach in Carolina. I think Dan Quinn is a fantastic coach in Atlanta and I'll be interested to see, you know, how they sort of recoil from the last really two years of, you know, struggles. And, but for me, the New Orleans Saints are still, when you have Michael Thomas on your roster, you have, um, uh, Elvin Kamara and Daniel Sanders. To me, that's huge. Unbelievably huge. He is a technician at the receiver position. I think that, for me, the Saints are still the the bread and butter of that division. 
Cynthia? Your setup to me is the reason why it's the Saints too, right? Because you talked about OTAs. You talk about the time for people to gel with each other. And as and as stacked as those receivers are for Tom Brady and as interesting as that defense is, I love – there's few coaches I think are better defensive minds than Todd Bowles. So I do think that Tampa has a big leap this year. But it, the content – like when are you going to develop the kind of chemistry relationships? And also I know we – you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be like not Susie Sunshine here, but they need a right tackle and they need a run game in Tampa Bay. So without the run game and without the right tackle, it's very hard for me to imagine getting through the NFC South without – got to protect your – I don't care who your quarterback is, the more protection, the better, right? And the run game is also a good friend to the quarterback as well. So it's an, like I think it's going to be hugely interesting, but – Right now, it's, to me, it's the Saints division. And as, as for the Panthers, I'm probably more optimistic about Matt Rule than both of you. Maybe it sounds like because I think the way that, he, that he'll structure with Joe Brady. Remember, Joe Brady architected one heck of an LSU offense last season. And Teddy Bridgewater, he, we saw in those games that he started with the Saints – he was super proficient with quick passing, like ridiculous, ridiculously proficient. And then you see kind of, well, you know, the Panthers, they've got a few guys that are pretty good at receiving quick passes and then making them into something, namely that running back, Christian McCaffrey. But it's interesting. <laughs> Curtis Samuel's also good at that. They added Robbie Anderson. There's a lot of tools on their tool belt. If the Panthers are able to increase their defensive quotient through the draft and they're, you know, they're picking seventh, so they easily could. So it's it, it's an interesting it's an interesting model there. I'm most confused about Atlanta. Um, I, you know, sure, Todd Gurley's there, okay, but that doesn't really help any of their cornerbacks, and they don't really have cornerbacks that help them out. Their pass rush is a little confusing for me as well. So, you know, Dan Quinn, known for his defensive prowess, like I don't see that defense being. Of course, you got Julio Jones, great, good offense is a, is good for their defense, I guess, but. Ultimately, there's a lot more questions on Atlanta than any of the other teams. So I guess right now, if I had to, if I had to make an order, I'm going, you know, look, this is pre-draft. We don't know exactly what's happening yet. But for me, it's definitely Saints, Bucks, Panthers, and, and Falcons. But the Bucks and Panthers could, could flip in my, in my mind. And, and I would add this to you guys. Um, and as a former athlete, we, we are all former athletes, Okay. Sometimes taking time off is a great thing for our bodies. However, what are players doing? We, we all three of us understand, right? When September comes and we have to step on a field on Sundays or Thursdays or Monday night, um, health is such an interesting part of the evolution of a team throughout the season. And so when I think about the Carolina Panthers and I think about Robbie Anderson becoming a Carolina Panther, I love it is Robbie Anderson, this is just a hypothetical here, but um, will he be healthy in September? Well, knock on wood, we want health vastly across the board. But when you are not in structure, as you guys both know, some athletes are just determined they're in their basements right now and they are working and grinding. Some are not. I was on the call with the Bears last week, and one of the questions posed to general manager Ryan Pace was that, you know, and Matt Nagy, the head coach, are you ensuring your players are following their off-season programs? Well, we have great strength people in place. We have great um, medical staff. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but as you guys know, some men and women are motivated and some simply aren't. And so I'll be fascinated to see 
you know, when, when football does come around, especially with how we've seen the off-season programs morphed throughout the last several years with CBA, et cetera, et cetera, who's in shape and who isn't, who stays healthy and who doesn't is going to be a big part of getting through this pandemic. Yeah, and keep in mind, 60% of the NFL um, are make the minimal salary. It's only 40% of the NFL that make the big box, and they're the ones that have, like, the, you know, the elaborate home gyms that they're able to, like, work out in, in, the, in the style and the custom that they are – um, that they are used to. So that's going to be really interesting. Again, Anita Marks, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, this is the podcast with uh, Stacey Dales and Cynthia Freeland, who you can both see all over the NFL network. Uh, ladies, I-, I know we only have about like 20, 25 minutes left for the podcast. So I, I want to dive immediately into the draft. As we know, we, we discussed it uh, already, and that is the draft is going to take place Thursday night, April 23rd, will be the first round. Uh, Friday night, April 24th, will be rounds two and three, and then uh, four through seven will be on that Saturday on April 25th. Um, not sure exactly where Roger Goodell is going to be, maybe in the basement of his home, uh, maybe in the league offices, but somewhere. Um, ESPN as well as the NFL Network are going to be broadcasting it. Um, so far as we know, teams have been instructed that general managers and head coaches and top scouts um, are going to have to be – Zooming it from their home, which poses a lot of issues and a lot of problems and a lot of obstacles for a number of teams. I've spoken to a few general managers as well as a few head scouts just to kind of pick their brain and ask them, like, what are their concerns about or how are they going about this? And here, here's a few things that I've walked away with. Um, and that is, number one, teams that have an, un, a, a, an exceptional scouting department and, and a phenomenal film team. Um, because not, not all, not all 32 organizations have the same film team that are able to get the film and provide it for the scouts are going to have an advantage. The teams that went to the senior bowl, keep this in mind. When you go to the senior bowl, it's kind of like, it's a free for all. And I was told that nobody does the senior bowl like the saints. Saints get there the day before it starts. They're there for the entire week and they send the entire staff and they stay there like for a few days after as well. Also, keep in mind, the Lions and the Bengals both coached the Senior Bowl and had a lot of time with these guys, so they're going to have an advantage more so than anyone else. Um, so th- those, those are going to be some advantages. You know, beyond, besides, besides the, uh, I don't want tech guys in my house because I'm worried about my family getting sick or, um, what happens if the internet goes out or all these things are, are major, major concerns. This is, this is going to be, this is going to be so unique and so interesting to me to see how those three days are, are really, really going to play out. What, what are, Cynthia, let's start with you because again, I know you talk to a lot of general managers and scouts and folks like, um, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most fearful, the most anxious, what do you feel the vibe is out there right now with a lot of the staffs in, in, as we get closer to the 23rd? You know, the good teams and at, the good teams are handling it and they're, they're at about a three. Like they're thinking about things like, okay, what happens when the tech goes down and what's our plan B for that, right? Like they're handling what I'd call second order problems, right? The teams that are not so good, they're handling first order problems and they're not handling them well. And I, that, by that, I mean, 
they're sitting there saying like, oh, I, you know, they're, they're not finding solutions. The people who they're, like you said, the scouting department or the video department or whomever's charged with roles that they're asking, you know, asking people for extra going above and beyond and anticipating and adapting based on this new climate we're in. There are some teams who their, their answer is like, oh, we just, we don't know how to do that. And that, and that is frustrating the general managers and coaches who are like, well, that's actually not an answer. That's an excuse, right? So that's, that's not great. Um, so they're looking for alternative solutions, but if your coach or your GM, the highest kind of ranking person there is spending their time hunting down basically audio video tasks or trying to do things that they would have imagined a scout would have done in years past, then they're wasting their time. So it's not, some people are being extra efficient and really just adapting and handling it and creating new solutions. I've been actually really inspired by a few teams who have just blown me away with where they've come up with solutions. It's been cool. What's an example of one you've heard? So I can't say which team, but one of the teams contacted me they wanted to measure, actually just like wrote a wide receiver article because it was, they allowed me to use this after they wanted me to measure with computer vision, the burst of the wide receivers in this draft class. Now I used it for my top five wide receivers, but this team didn't care, but they already know how they feel about the top five wide receivers. They wanted me to look at a, a, a range of depth. So what ended up happening is I could have an article and also hold up. So ultimately, they wanted me to look at specific wide receivers to say, who's the fastest off the line of scrimmage? Who's the fastest in these several types of routes in these situations? And what helped me understand this particular person? And they fed me the video. I ran it through the computer vision. And their question was specific, and they got a specific answer quickly, something their scouts probably could have like looked at at a pro day or watched more film on, but they didn't have time to do it, so they outsourced it, and that was a cool project for me, and it helped them. And they're finding solutions using new things that they hadn't used before. So that was, that was cool. And I did read an article that you just put out pertaining to that, which I loved um, your reference to the Halo, Super Halo. Uh, what, what, how do you what, how do you if people go and read your stuff it's amazing like <laughs> you're you're brilliant first of all um and like you have this like other whole like package people are like, oh wow it's so cool that you know I remember standing at training camp with you last year in Detroit and just giggling about like any team I think this is a side note this would be really any team would be so well served to hire you <laughs> I mean, have you ever been asked, by the way? I have. I've gone through pretty far in interviews with a couple of different teams. Most of the time it's netted out in doing projects because it hasn't, it has to be the right fit of like general manager and coach and front office and like owner and situation because a lot of people are, they're on weird hiring cycles, right? Like you get hired for about three years. That's, you know, if you, in the teams who need help the most, they are more likely to get fired. It's a risk. It's a cost benefit analysis for everyone. So usually end up doing projects like the one I sort of just described which is most more helpful, but it's like, you know, you draw a circle around, it's like a video game. You draw a circle around a player on top of, you know, like the yellow line in football, you see that it's not really there, right? Like you can do that and you can measure how far away people are from each other. So these teams have been using stuff like that this year 
more creatively. Like, that's why I try not to say, like, you know, I don't know if someone's, um, like, you can't say if the def- if they're playing zone defense or if they're playing man, you, you can say that, but you can't, like, how close someone is. So what's a contested catch? Do they have to be touching you? Do they have to be a foot away? So you create a parameter, and I just say a, a three-foot halo because your arm's about three feet long, right? So that, to me, that's then approximating a contested catch because then it's less – but like you got to take bias out of it. So that's, that's what I try to do. But these teams have like teams have been like extracting GPS data from like a lot of cool different sources. They've asked kids to take their, you know, app, an app on their phone and go for a run outside. It, that's safe for them to be, you know, go run these routes and they can see that they've done it and they use their cell phone to do it. So it's just being creative about it and like understanding, you know, the limitations. Um, can I say something, Anita, really quick? Too? Yeah, of course, of course. I had a really interesting conversation with uh, a friend of mine last night, actually, a former executive. And there's also this side of what's happening with the draft right now where people are complaining. And I love what Cynthia said about the best teams are going to be, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but they're going to be solution-based and financiers. Um, the fact, if there's complaining going on, I, I just would really encourage people to remember that sadly what we're seeing is that, that this pandemic, this is a real thing. People don't have food. People don't have jobs. They don't have income. They are dying. And the fact that there will be a draft um, is a blessing. And it's, this is all going on. And that's what we started this conversation, this podcast is to have this perspective of, you know, complaining, this is not the place for complaining. And the conversation I had last night is there are some who are almost angry by it because about it, because, you know, <laughs> be grateful for the fact that we, and yes, there's a lot of money here in, involved and, and the NFL is an incredible enterprise. I'm so grateful to be a part of it and to cover it. And I love these teams and these players and these coaches, and it is a source of entertainment for so many people, but keep the perspective right now because um, if you're complaining that you can't see players, um, maybe there's a different tone you should consider because the draft is going to happen and life is going to move forward and we are going to have falling at some point. I think what's happening is that people are being taken out of their comfort zone. Like I'm somebody, I, I love change. I'm someone who just loves change. I've lived in a variety of places. Like I embrace change. I think, I think change is good for you and change is good for life and experiencing life. But there's some people, let's be honest, ladies, there's some people who are terrified by change. They're terrified by it. And this is, this is, this is going to be a draft unlike any other. And I think there are, and let's be honest, you know, the NFL, it's like, you know, the good old boys club, a lot of guys, you know, you've, you've got to be in this business for a long time. I know it's slowly changing and there are a few clubs out there that are young and innovative. I get that, but the majority of them are not. And I think that, I think that they're, I think that they're kind of frightened. And um, like, for example, let's talk about uh, Kevin Colbert, GM of the Steelers coming out and recommending that he's suggesting that we go three more rounds. Now I've, I've asked that question to a lot of scouts out there and they're like, absolutely. Because you know, what's going to happen once the draft is over in pick in round seven, then comes um, and look, it's a podcast. I don't care. I'm going to curse. It's a shit show. What happens is now you have all these undrafted rookies that imagine this draft is over round seven. Final pick is made, right? 
all of a sudden you've got all these scouts and all these general managers that are now on the phone blowing up players, blowing up um, agents, trying to get their undrafted rookies into their camp, but they are under a salary cap. So now I, let's say Stacy, let's say you and I both work for the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're talking to like, we got to make sure that we bring in two extra running backs as free agents. That's kind of rule of thumb, right? In regard to, I'm sorry, not uh, undrafted uh, rookies. So rule of thumb is you bring in two extra running backs. You're on the phone with one. I'm on the phone with one. We've got a salary cap as well. So I'm negotiating. You're negotiating. Finally, I come to a deal with an agent. Now I've got to call our, the guy who, who oversees our books, our financial guy, and let him know, hey, this is the deal that I have. This is what I worked out. This is what the agent is willing to agree with. And all of a sudden, you call in from the other line. Because you're home. We're not in the same room. We're not in a conference room. We're not like, hey, listen. So what I'm being told is I'm, I'm being told it's going to be a complete, complete poop, poop show. So in order, to, in order to 86 that, and if you've ever been in the service industry, you know that means in, in, in order to nix that, why not extend the draft for three more rounds? So that you're not going through this insane process of trying to sign these undrafted rookies. Well, the you know, only, these, are, these are the obstacles. The only counterpoint to that that I would have is I'm pretty sure, now don't quote me on this, I could be wrong. The rules of the CBA are different for how much you must pay. There's something about pay there. So switching it right now, I think would be very difficult in terms of, and they just went up. It's like now rookies who actually make the team make a lot more money. But I think in terms of like, cause those undrafted free agents that they sign right at the end and they'll get a deal for like, you know, 50 grand or whatever it is, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a, it would be hard to switch it this year, but going forward. Okay. But you know, I, I don't think it would be impossible. I just think it would be very hard to do. Yeah, these are all things that would typically or otherwise be hashed out at owners' meetings and annual meetings and, you know, whatever, perennial meetings, whatever you want to say. Um, in trying to get collaborative efforts of magnitude of this nature right now, they're not going to happen. The best thing I think that we can do as a league is, is really um, appreciate where we're at, find solutions given the situation, mm-hmm. and go forward with the best tools and knowledge that we can and adding more rounds and this and that, it's not going to happen. <laughs> What's going to happen is the draft is going to take place at the end of April. We're all going to have to accept how it takes place. Um, the coverage will be uh, less, but it'll be, um, I don't even know how to say this. Like we don't, we don't know how any of us will be affected by it. We, we don't know if we'll be working. I don't know if we're <laughs> right now. I won't be reporting from anywhere except here in my home office. So, you know, assume it. we should have a zoom yeah, with all of us. We're gonna see this draft happen. We don't know really how that's all going to happen. We know that all the networks are having to come together right now and um, really collaborate and figure out the best platform. Um, you know, and it, and it's 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 the nature of where we're at. Period. Um, I, I know we have about I know we have about ten more minutes. Um, if that left in uh, in the podcast again, Cynthia Freeland, Stacey Dales, Anita Marks here on ninety point seven ESPN. Uh, let's let's end with this, and that is, you know, we're sitting here and we're we're, we're talking about the draft and um and Tom Brady playing for the the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, but we're not even one hundred percent sure that we're going to have a season. <laughs> we're we're hoping the NFL is saying that the season is going to start on time, 
Um, the schedule is expected to be released on May 9th. And I want to be optimistic because I'm an optimistic person. I'm a glass half full as opposed to half empty, but we just don't know. I mean, there's a chance that no OTAs, limited um, training camp, um, limited season. Maybe it's not, you know, 16, 17 weeks. Maybe, maybe there's no season at all. There's also this wild um, uh, notion that, that the NFL takes all 2,500 players and quarantines them in some area in the world and has them play on fields with no fans and just televise. So, um, Stacey, let's start with you. Like, based on the conversations that you've had and, and, and what your gut's telling me and what you're, you're feeling, like, A, do you think we're going to have a season? And if we do – how do you think it's going to play out? My my greater faith tells me we're going to have sports again and we're going to have football. Um, I This goes back to the very grassroots of where we're all at right now, and that is listening to medical professionals and respecting the medical professionals and what they're telling us to do. And that is staying in, staying home, and, like, trying to thwart this virus. and. Um, prevent it from spreading. Um, I, I pray my, my prayers are strong daily that we, that our medical professionals, um, I, I, I can't express my gratitude that people are working feverishly right now in labs and in hospitals trying to find answers to this thing, because we haven't seen anything like this since, you know, uh, the Spanish flu, in, back in, 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 what was it, 1918? I mean, this, this thing is unreal. And I think that respecting it um, is important. And I think that, you know, for me, when, so when you ask me that, uh, I'm hopeful because my, my universal faith and my prayer tells me that something good is coming. And so I believe that we will have football. And I try to keep perspective, and that's just, it's as simple as the way I can, you know, say it. Um, I think that for the teams, they're all going about trying to figure out, you know, how to keep their players engaged, how to keep them working out, to keep them on their program. I was on a call with Nick Foles last week, who's the new, you know, going to be a new addition to the Chicago Bears, and he said he his his brother in law is a former tight end in the National Football League for five or six years, and that's going to be his his you know, workout buddy. Um, he said they'll be disinfecting the footballs when they do that, um, which is fascinating. Um, I think there's a lot of stories around the league at people that are going to try to be conscientious with this thing, but um, you've got to stay involved. You've got to stay engaged um, because when football does come back, who's ready? You know, who, who, who has been working out? Who's been doing their part? Um, virtual, you know, position coaches working with their players positionally. Um, stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, but it's real and we're here. And, um, but my prayer tells me we're going to have football. <laughs> As I smile through that, I try, I'm trying to keep that perspective because we can't get too negative. We've got to try to stay positive. So I'm with you on the glass half full. Cynthia, how do you, how do you, when, when you envision what potentially best case, give me, give me best case scenario. I mean, obviously worst case scenario is no season. And again, this is a $16 billion a year industry. I doubt that that will happen. I do believe that we're going to have football in some way, shape or form, but what, give me, give me, give me the two sides, how you see this playing out. 
Well, first of all, I don't think I can say it better than Stacy. So that was awesome. And I like, I love all of that sentiment. So honestly, the, the way that I think, look, I think the NFL, I'm an optimist too. I think the NFL has one main advantage over NBA or anything else. And that advantage is that our season doesn't start until September. And given the fact that like, sure, we can release the schedule as we should, because why would you plan not to like stay prepared, stay ready, stay being looking for opportunities and, and, you know, trying to kind of put success out there in the universe. Right. But if you have to change it, you can change it later. It's not like it's etched in stone and we can't, you know, sure. Release the schedule. Like let's be excited. Let's be positive and happy about something because if we have to change it, then we have to change it, but we're doing our best right now. Right. That, that advantage of time is something where every single one of us, right? Like we can, you can view this time as that we're stuck in captivity or you can view this time that you're in a cocoon and you need to come out better. Right. So it, that's every single one of us. Every way. So when it comes to football for me, being able to plan and to find solutions, like it's just going to make it better for when it does come back, whenever that is, because ultimately that planning and those efforts it's not like they're all for not. You can, it'd be great to have like your virtual position coach so that you can refine the way that you make practice in five years, right? So you've gotten a template in place so that you're more efficient going forward. It's not like any of this time is wasted. It's all about your mindset. So for me, it's just staying in that, like that good space where everything makes, you know, you better, not just for today, but for the future and the, the world's changed and you either have a chance right now to be a part of the positive, good growth or to be like, dig your heels in and then think everything's awful. Right. Like you, and that's for us, those of us that are lucky enough to be healthy right now, that's really, it's the same for us. It's the same for teams. It's the same for football. America needs sports back because it gives us something to to be united on after every major thing, after nine 11, after every major thing, sports coming back, would you like nothing more than the Yankees and the Red Sox players to be, you know, be like, I hate Red Sox. I hate Yankees. I would love that right now. Right. Like it'd be great to have that be our biggest problem. Right. So ultimately I think the NFL will try to figure it out because we have the benefit of time. Ladies. um, I so appreciate your time. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really, really glad that we did this. And uh, both of you are just so, um, exceptional at what you guys do on the NFL network. And you know that I'm a huge fan of both of you. And I so appreciate you joining me today on this podcast and your, your information um, and your passion and your soul um, is, uh, is very special. And I thank you for sharing that. Thank you for making it happen. Really appreciate it. So good to see you both. It was great. To, I give you a virtual hug because that's <laughs> a possible way. Let's stay positive, ladies, and all the gents out there that will hear this. And uh, thanks, Anita, for setting this up. I'd happy to be do it to do it anytime you want. Because me too. You got, so you got yeah. it. You got it. You got it. Maybe a part two coming soon. Maybe after the draft, we can reconvene. <laughs> Again, she's Cynthia Freeland, Stacey Dales. Make sure you check them out um, on the NFL Network. I'm Anita Marks, and this is ninety eight point seven ESPN.